Hi there, this is Elaine Benfield, and welcome to another episode of Her Stories. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce one of my favorite humans, um, Rhonda Haller. Um, Rhonda, welcome to Her Stories. Thanks, Elaine. It's so good to see you. It's so good to see you, too. So I, as everyone knows, I start off um, in the beginning, and this is the embarrassing part for my guest, is really talking about why I find this person inspiring. So I was trying to actually count the math of how many years we've known each other. We've known each other for a long time. I, I, we'll age each other, but um, we've known each other a long time. And I remember my first impression of you was this cheerful, wonderful, your laugh is one of my favorite laughs in the world. Um, just always happy, great um, personality, just a sweet individual. But what I've loved is watching you grow as a wife and a mother and career focused and really juggling everything in between. Um, what I really want to focus on is your true calling in your profession. Um, you and I uh, worked together years ago in a PR agency and I've seen you find what makes you happy and your passion. And truly there's a thousand things I can tell you why you inspire me. Um, but that is really what I want to focus on is you finding your passion and I'm so inspired that you um, kind of took a risk and really found your true calling. So that's what I just, and your laugh, I hope I get to make you laugh a few times. <laughs> ah, there Thank it you. is. <laughs> so, um, so as we kick off, um, you know, I want to give a little bit of background of who you are, where'd you grow up and like kind of let's set a little bit of a stage of, of you as an individual, Rhonda. All right. Well, let's see. I grew up in Lynn, Massachusetts. <laughs> so, and um, right now, my career is orientation and mobility, uh, working with people who are visually impaired or blind to teach them how to kind of navigate their their world. So, um, and I work for a nonprofit agency out of Concord, New Hampshire, called Future Insight, and I love it. I'm so glad to be there. Um, I work with a bunch of just amazing people and um, yeah I just I love the work and the people that I get to work with so you know I can tell by even your smile of where you're at but let's step back to how you got there so you went tell everyone kind of your background when you went to college what you were focusing on and then we can talk about like how we met and, and what kind of some of the work you've done in the past so I went to Emmanuel College which is was a small women's college in um, in Boston. Now it's co-ed. Um, and I majored in English communications, which is how I ended up in marketing and public relations. Yeah. Um, I kind of, uh, I started out actually working at Emanuel after I graduated. Um, and then I ended up in the high tech, you know, industry, which is where we met at um, a PR agency. Um, and I was doing that until I had my daughter, Brianna, um, yeah. who is now, oh my God, going to be 22, <laughs> so, yeah. which I can't believe. Yeah, it's great. And you had, but for those years, you know, I said to you, and I've said this to you many times, you're a fantastic writer. You, I've always, that is not one of my strengths. And you and I kind of compliment each other when we work together. Um, I was telling um, my son that we had cube, we, our cubes were, we had the same wall between our cubes. Yep. That's, that's how we met. And literally, if anyone knows what an office cube, when we used to have to go in the office all the time. Um, <laughs> but you were so talented and you just, 
it was something that, you know, you worked at the PR agency and then you went to a few other companies. One of them I always joke, like, ask Jeeves before it was, you know, AI before AI was really, you know, boy, that company was ahead of its time. But you were super good at it. So was there a point during that time that you were like, hey, I'm good at it, but I don't love it? Like, because I never saw you, you're always happy, but like, I never saw you be like, oh, I just really don't like the work. Because some colleagues of mine are like miserable every day. You were. Right. No, I wasn't, I wasn't ever miserable. I enjoyed the work. And obviously there were parts of it that I enjoyed more, such as the writing. Yeah. Really, uh, that was always my favorite part of any of the positions yeah. that I had. And I enjoyed the people that I was working with, you know, like, yourself and Paula and other people so um so there was always something I found that I really enjoyed but I always also felt like there was something missing and in what um, what way like you just were you not and just being honest like you weren't a hundred percent fulfilled you're like oh there has to be more like what was that exactly I I just I I guess in a way doing what I'm doing now I'm almost going being at a nonprofit. I'm almost going back to my roots because like when I was in high school, one of my first jobs was at a nonprofit, you know, and, um, and I started out, like I said, working at Emanuel, which was a university, a, a college, um, a nonprofit college, you know, so um, I, I really just always enjoyed that atmosphere. Um, and I like giving back. I love working with people in such a way that I can see, um, almost, you know, results, like I can Making see a what's happening, how I'm impacting their life. And so, you know, sure, it made sacrifices to be able to do what I'm doing now. I certainly would be making more money if I yeah. were, yeah. you know, doing something else. But um, it, I just find it so fulfilling. So it's, you know, sometimes people say, you know, oh, it's, you know, you're so selfless that you're, you're, you're doing this. I'm like, no, I feel kind of selfish sometimes because I enjoy it. I really, you know, yeah. I really enjoy what I'm doing. I love giving back, like I said, and seeing those immediate results. You know, it's different from, you know, contributing, you know, money to a, a good cause, which I think yeah. is important too. But, you know, I see what, you know, how I'm doing impacts people in a positive way. And that just really motivates me. Yeah, so when, so you left high tech. And, you know, as you said, you really knew you were kind of missing something. You tried a few um, different careers, different things. You were, you know, really tried to find your way. And then all of a sudden, I remember talking to you and you're like, I'm going to school. Like, this is what. So talk about how, what was that transition from, you know, you had some jobs, you were doing things, but then you were like, wait, I figured it out. How did you find this passion to help the visually impaired and the blind? Like, how... How was that and, and tell the process of that and then kind of leading into school? Because you already have education. So then you yep. have to step back and go, okay, I have to do a complete pivot and, and, and learn another skill. Yeah. Well, it's funny because sometimes um, people are asked that, like, how did you get in, you know, in the career that you're in with, you know, visually impaired people or whatever? And a lot of times they have this really inspiring story about, you know, like a, a parent that was in, in visually impaired or something that happened. And that wasn't really my experience. I didn't know what orientation and mobility was. I didn't even know what a teacher for the that a teacher for the visually impaired exists or that sort of thing until I was working at a at a high school, local high school, and working with you know with students one on one. 
and a couple of my students had visual impairments. And then I worked with their O&M um, and I was just like, what is this career? I was fascinated and I just I liked what she did and how she did it. And, um, you know, and she's, we always joke that she's like the best recruiter for the agency because she yes, just seriously. loves what she's doing too. And she, you know, so yeah, and you picked on that, like seeing her passion helped you go, wait a second. I never thought about this as a career. Cause I remember you talking yep. to me about her and being like, Oh, there's this, you know, another profession. And it was like, I never heard of it either. I never heard of the term. Right. I never heard, you know, Right. And the thing was, I knew, so, so I ended up going back to grad school. Um, and it was, as you know, I, I am a cancer survivor. So it was after I had gone through like six months of, you know, treatment basically. Um, and you know, it wasn't easy, <laughs> but I felt like, you know what, I survived this and I want the rest of my life to be about doing what I'm passionate about doing what I enjoy um, and, and, and giving back and making a difference in the world in some way. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. I like the, I like education. I like teaching, but I knew I didn't want to be in a classroom. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I thought about going back to like, you know, public relations or um, marketing and working for a nonprofit. Yeah. But um, I also didn't want to be sitting at a desk all day. Yeah. And so when I discovered this, I was like, you know what, it, it like just checks off all the boxes. Yeah. You know, it's a, um, it's a cause that I can get behind, yeah. you know. I think it's really important to, um, to help people who, you know, are either going blind or, or are blind. And, um, and you, you know, just help them to be as independent and successful as they can be. Yeah, of course. Um, and how long was this? So... And I don't want to skip over, you know, as you said, you survived cancer. It, you went through a lot during that stage, um, yep. obviously. And you're healthy now. Can't even, words can't even say how absolutely thankful. And, you know, I don't pray, but that, you know, so, so thankful for that. And, but so you then were like, okay, I'm going to go to school. How long is the process then to go to school for your graduate degree? Yeah. So it's um, two years, um, basically, for the master's degree. So it's a master's in education. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had to do a year, basically, of um, apprenticeship, basically, like a practicum. Um, and then I had to pass our certification exam. Mm -hmm. uh, Which school did you end up going to? There's a, is there a program that specializes in this specifically? Once yeah, actually, there's very few programs that do this um, around the country, especially for orientation and mobility. So UMass Boston is the only one in New England um, that has a program. Wow. That's yeah, yeah. And luckily, most of their classes, most of what I had to do was was remote. It was virtual. So I you know, was able to do everything other than a few things. Like the, one of the first classes I took was learning how to braille learning braille and we had to go in to you know do the test for that and I you know there were certain things I had to go but everything else was remote which works well because I still had my family and yeah. I still had you know work as well so you know juggling all that at the same time but um but it really was it, I so liked being back in school too 
you liked being back in school. I did. I did. I know when I graduated with my bachelor's, I was like, yeah, I do not want to go to graduate school right now. (laughs) I was like two through. Um, But I was more than ready to go back. In fact, I knew I wanted to go. I knew I wanted to pursue a higher degree. I just didn't know in what until I was inspired by by Sandra, you know, who, who, you know, explained what orientation and mobility was and told me about the program and everything. So Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, we met right after I finished my MBA and I got my undergrad, worked for two years, and then got my MBA. And I keep joking that now I'm like, I'm almost at the point where it's like, I want to make PhD now because I like keep having these, I've had obviously 20 years between, but I'm like, Ooh, I still, there's still so much I want to learn. Um, and I do, re- I remember you being excited about going to the program and learning. Cause I do think there's something to be said for finding your right career. I think it's hard to find your right career when you're 20, 25. I think once you become more of a grown up, like we really are now <laughs> and you look and go, I know what I want and you appreciate learning more. I do think yeah. there is something to be said that you're, you know, you are taking time out of your family, you're doing something and completely changing what you want to do. So did you find, you know, that kind of thirst for learning, you know, maybe better at this kind of a different stage of life than when you are 17 or 18, you know, and beyond? Yeah, I definitely think I appreciated it more. Um, And I mean, I've always enjoyed learning. I really have, even when I was you know, after I graduated and I was working at Emanuel, I was, I was auditing classes. (laughs) I just didn't want to have to do the papers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like I, you know, I didn't want to, you know, be locked into having to. But but learning, but you just, but your world knowledge and cultures and reading, and that's always been who you are. So I think that's part of your DNA also that you just, you, you have a, a drive for learning. Yeah, for sure. I really, I really enjoy it. I, you know, I just, I think there's, there's, if you're not learning, you're stagnating. So, you know, I don't want to stagnate. No, I I couldn't agree with you more. And do you, um, how do you then, so when you graduate, how do you find an apprenticeship? So once you know Um, this is the path, you go to school, you end up completing the program, how do you get into the apprenticeship side? Do they help you at school as well? Yeah, they will. Like, you know, so, you have, you know, the, the professors will help you, you know, find something. They An make advisor, recommendations yeah. or whatever. But I got lucky because, you know, Sandra, who I mentioned, worked at um, Future Insight, which is the agency I'm working for now. And that's where I did my practicum. So, you know, they knew about me. I knew about them. And it just worked out that I was able to to do it there. Um, and I liked it so much. And I love, like I said, I love the people that I was working with that I was like, this is just this is just a great fit. I don't need to look anywhere else. This is, this is where I belong. You know, Yeah, that's amazing. And I think that's something too, as you get older, like, like you, you've had that life experience to know, like, mm-hmm. this is what I like. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I want to do. And you can make those decisions uh, more quickly and with, you know, I think better results. <laughs> yeah. I, I do agree with that. Cause I do think you're like, you know what you want, you know what you like, you know the environment, you know the culture, like culture is super important. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, so, and you and I've had great cultures and also some not so great cultures, but um, yeah. so what was, during that practicum and, and you that one, you had one whole year that you, did you end up going into the schools? Like how was that year for you? 
and a lot of driving? Yeah. Is it a lot? Like, what is, tell us like a little bit of like, you know, what's the life of that for a year? Yeah. So when I did the practicum with Future Inside, I um, started in the summer. So there weren't many, um, many students, you know, yeah, only ones like, that were like in extended school year or whatever. So mm -hmm. I also did, worked with some of the adult clients as well. Um, and I liked, I liked both and I'm, I'm doing that now. Like I, I, I said when I, they hired me, I said, I really enjoy the challenge of, you know, two very different, you know, demographics. It's, it's very different teaching, you know, mm -hmm. students in the school or whatever, as opposed to teaching, you know, adult clients who maybe, you know, more recently have lost their vision or whatever. Um, so I enjoy that. And I said, I would be very willing to, to do that. And at the time they kind of had it separated. It was, you know, youth services and adult services, and they really didn't overlap much. Um, so, so, and that's another reason why I really, you know, appreciate them because they, they took that into consideration and were like, okay, you know, you want to do that and, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll make that possible. So, um, so yeah, I really, I really enjoy doing both. Um, yeah. Yeah. And how with you, so now that you've been in, how long have you been in the career now for? How long have um, you been practicing? So, so um, two years, really, because I had my, my year of practicum, okay. and then this school year has been my first full year um, on my, as a certified orientation and mobility specialist. So, um, and really, even when I was doing my practicum, I was kind of, I was, I was teaching on my own, but I had like a supervisor and I had someone that I could, you know, and, and that's still the case. I mean, I can still go to people for advice or whatever. It's, there's so much to learn. It, it's yeah. just, it's amazing. There's well, so every, much to learn. And every person's different. So you have to navigate that, I'm sure as well, between obviously, as you said, you like the student aspect, the children, but then also working with adults too. Right. And each individual is very different. They have, you know, they're going to have different eye conditions and different functional vision and different um, maybe other other disabilities or whatever um, and you know there might be different goals for them based on those things and different ways of teaching them based yeah. on those things so and it's it's really fascinating working with um, with students um, you know who especially I'm working with with a child now um, who's going into first grade and he is completely blind. He, um, never had any vision and, um, it's fascinating. You don't think about the things that you, that you learn through your vision, but it is our, our distance, you know, learning, you know, we can observe people and things and understand how they work. So, um, you know, a child that is born blind doesn't have that same opportunity and needs to be very deliberately taught all of those things yeah. that another child might just get, including like social skills and um, body language and, um, you know, again, how I'm to navigate knowing, their environment. Like you know? Yeah, just kids at that age at first grade, a lot of it is, you know, facial expressions. You forget about those basic things that yeah. we, take, we take for granted. We do, we do. Even like, you know, how do you, you're reading a story to, to a child and how do you explain what a tree is? You know, you can bring the child to the tree and they can feel the bark and they can experience the leaves and that sort of thing and feel the shade, but the tree is big. Like, how do you explain like how big something is to someone who can't view it? 
you know, so those sorts of challenges, that sort of, I, I just, I, I love that. Like just finding yeah, creative and that. fun ways to, to teach those sorts yeah. of things. Yeah. Oh, it's so like, even as I said, like seeing you light up talking about it, just your, so how does it work? And I'm asking you questions I, I do know, but I really want others to understand. So your company basically it's an agency that works with different school systems. School systems get funding to help with students that are visually impaired. Yeah. Explain like explain that process. So you work for the agency, and then how does that work with um, different schools and whatnot? Yeah. So um, as I said, the agency is nonprofit. It used to actually be New Hampshire Association for the Blind, mm -hmm. um, and then they had a name change to Future Insight. Um, but yeah, they. So what happens is a lot of times. Um, Blindness or low vision, especially in children, is a very low incident kind of um, experience. Like it's low incident, so um, a lot of times um, school districts have maybe only a few children who have who need a, a TVI, which is teacher for the visually impaired or an orientation and mobility specialist, that sort of thing. So they're not going to hire someone to be in the school like they do with speech therapy or occupational therapy. You know, a lot of times there's someone right there. Mm -hmm. So um, so they go to someone, you know, to an agency or to a company um, that provides those those services, and that's what Future Insight does. So for me, that means, um, you know, I'm traveling all the time. I'm in different school districts, different schools all the time, you know, and, and that's something I actually really like. You know, I, I like being on the road, and I like being in different environments and meeting different people and learning from like the teams and the people I work with. Um, and I mean, definitely the students and the clients, you know, I'm constantly learning from them and learning about them. So how many um, clients do you have? What's a typical schedule for week for work? Because you obviously have travel, but do you work like 40 hours a week? Like what is, does it fluctuate? Like how many clients do you have per week? And then how long does it, like, do you ever, someone does so well that you're like, oh, they don't need my services anymore? Like, do people, because you're teaching them to do this themselves. Right. So, like, right. both, I've asked you a double question, but one is, you know, what's your, what's a typical week and how many clients do you have? Yeah. So, it fluctuates um, and, um, and there, there's different schedules. So, um, I don't know if you're familiar, but in, in schools, a student has um, an IEP, which is an individualized educational program, which I think, yeah, yeah, plan. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, the services that they get, the amount of time they get is based on that. So yeah. what happens is like the, the student is evaluated first, you know, so I would do an orientation and mobility evaluation or someone has already done it. And then you determine, do they need services? How much do they need? Like, you know, is it going to be... 30 hours a week, 60 hours a week, you know, or, um, or more, depending on their level of um, vision and their need. Um, and then from there, you know, you have to kind of schedule around their school schedules and everything. Yeah. And with orientation and mobility too, I want to be there at different times of the day um, yeah. because I'm helping them like, you know, I want to see them get off the bus. I want to see them in the cafeteria. I want to, you know, all those sorts of things. So I have to, have to fit all those things in. So my schedule great. is very flexible. Well, and you get to see them through the different stages of a day, which must be great. 
that you can be like, oh, I want to make sure you know how to do, like you forget, it's not, you're not just stationary all day. You have many yeah. things to move around. Exactly, so did, exactly. I, I didn't ask you in the beginning, but how did the term orientation mobility, because until I, you and I talked about this a little, not that long ago, I was like, I never even heard of that term. Yeah. Where did that come from? Like, do you know? Because that to me is, I don't know if most people know that that's like, because you know, you said it, occupational yeah. therapist, physical yeah. therapist. I haven't heard of, you know, so how did that term come to be? Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't know what orientation mobility is. So yeah. orientation is basically how do you know it without vision where you are in space and um, how, and, you know, how do you get from point A to point B, or how do you get around a room if you can't see? Yeah. Um, and then the mobility piece is, how are you going to do that? Do you need a white cane? Um, do you need human guide? You know, um, do you have a dog guide? You know, what? How are you going to do this? And that all depends on, like I said, the level of vision, you know, functional vision, and then um, their other physical needs, emotional and, and mental, you know, as yeah. well. It all plays into it. And has that term been, how long has that term been in the market? Like when you first heard it and you met, you know, your former colleague, well, now she's still your colleague, but like how, when you heard the term, how, has it been in the market yeah. long, you know? So, so there's, there's a whole history behind it. Um, and really it kind of started with um, uh, veterans coming back oh. from like World War I, World War II. And so it was really, that's where it began because they were coming back blinded and needed to a way to you know integrate back into society in a successful way you know how to how to move around and and get where they needed to go and everything so that's kind of where it started so it was like in the va hospitals and stuff where it wow that that is so interesting i did not know that yeah and then um it just you know it's it's kind of spread from there so like you think of you know Helen Keller, you know, um, and you know the that she had a, a teacher who, you know, um, so, you know, from Perkins School for the Blind, which is in Massachusetts, um, yeah. yep, and um, and so that's kind of where where it came into being. And orientation and mobility is a little bit newer than um, like teacher for the visually impaired, but um, uh, it's been you know a term for like decades. Um, yeah. And, that's so yeah. interesting. And so if, um, I have a few more questions, like one of them, like, so if you have a child that needs it, they go through, you know, the IEP as we talked about, and then there's agencies, as you said, there's, are there a lot of agencies in the country? Like you're super lucky that there's a school for you to learn, number one, right. but then you have a great agency, you know, you live in New Hampshire, like you kind of have that, it was almost destiny for you, that it was like, yeah. oh, this perfect career for me that I'll be happy at but you have right. agency plus in future insight is actually the only nonprofit. There's a couple of other agencies that provide the services, but they're um, for profit. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. So, um, and, what do you and there's not about, many there's, and there's not many. And so, you know, that leads into what I was going to ask you, like with the profit versus nonprofit from your point of view, how do you view and, and not to be disparaged, you know, disparaging, about it, I'm saying the word totally wrong, but um, how, do, how do you look at it and go, okay, but there's a profit one versus a nonprofit. How do those function differently than, you know, obviously I get it from, a, you know, they're trying to make revenue, but are those, you know, it, it, you were really drawn to the nonprofit side Ooh. of this business. 
yeah. so what's, so the, even you know, the, what's your, your, your observation of the difference between the two from this kind of space? So even the, the agencies that are, you know, for profit um, are not, you know, the margins aren't, aren't great. You're not, they're not yeah. making like a lot of money on it. Yeah. But um, they're covering their, their costs and everything. The difference with Future Insight is that we do a lot of like fundraising and we have a wonderful um, you know, team that goes after different grants and everything so that if we have someone that needs the services and they're not being supplied in some other way, um, you know, in schools it's kind of easier because you have an IEP, they're required legally they have to provide those services yeah. yeah and they have to cover the cost of them but for adults you know um is the is the state paying for it is the veterans administration paying for it you know how is it being covered and and not and it can't be for everybody they don't have a funding source so future insight will cover the cost of them getting the the training that they need yeah, you that's know amazing. anyway yeah. and especially since you know in our society you know even though we've said we do have great health care, it's expensive. Okay. If you don't have health care, you and I have had these conversations. We talk about everything. But it's, yeah. um, you know, people, now people are living longer. Vision is changing as you get older. More people are getting, you know, tested for glaucoma. Whatever the statistics, you know, this is only going to be having a greater need, you know. Well, and it's interesting, too, because, like, occupational therapy, physical therapy, those are covered, like, under Medicare and, and, and stuff, yeah. okay, because... Um, it's like a medical thing. They yeah. don't recognize orientation and mobility or teaching teachers for the visual impaired. It's not medically necessary. Are you serious? So they don't they don't really cover those services. Um, yeah, which is, I mean, there's there's definitely movement in that. You know, we're trying to change that. We're you know, but there's a lot of things to consider also. But um, yeah, so it's not. I mean, yeah, it's fascinating to me because if somebody can't walk, they're they're provided a wheelchair, yeah. you know, um, based on their needs, and but that's covered. But you're expected to walk with no vision, with no support. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah, it's that's... just it's just kind of strange. I don't know why that ended up being the case, but <laughs> but it yeah, is. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. What um what's your favorite part of your job? Like, what do you love and get up in the morning? Like, are there certain clients that you're just like, oh, I can't wait to see them and see them progress? Or what what makes you happy about this this career for you? Yeah. Well, I think we um, touched a little bit on it before where, you know, I'm just inspired by by the people I work with, the, the, the students and the clients, um, because, you know, they, they're taking something that everybody's going to look at and say, this is a disadvantage, you know? Um, and it is, it's hard to, you know, to find different ways of doing things you want to do that, you know, fit your needs if you have low vision or no yeah. vision. Um, but they're, they're doing it, you know, yeah. they're, they're finding ways they're, they have workarounds, you know, and, and that's always inspiring to me. And like I said, I'm always learning from them as well as them learning from me because yeah. They might be doing something, and I'm like, oh, my God, I never thought of doing it that way. That's that's a great idea. That's a great adaptation or whatever. So, yeah. and you know, you I... And then you someone else what you've learned from that person. Exactly, and sharing, kind of sharing the, the knowledge, right, and yeah. passing it along. So, is I, it, you know... Is it, do you feel some days, like, you know, I mentioned in the beginning, one of the things you're so inspiring is your personality. Like, you just are bubbly and happy, and you just, you have a presence of 
there's I'm always happy around you always have been I think anyone that knows you feels the same way um, do you are there days where it's just hard to be positive or are you infectious with your personality when someone's like I don't want to do work because you know like we've all been through some type of therapy where it's like I just I, I'm like today's a woe is me can you pull people out of that with your personality and just like get them to rally like are there days when you have clients and you're like I just don't know how to break through they're really just because it's hard I can only imagine what they're going yeah. through well I always try to make it you know especially for the kids like fun you know mm -hmm. and um, and I think you know yeah true a lot of times I'm able to you know they may not really want to do this you know yeah. a lot of times the kids don't see the point they're like they're like oh, I don't need they it. never do you know, anything whatever. but yes Continue. You know, <laughs> yeah. but, so but um but yeah so I think sometimes you know with my personality and just you know being excited about what I'm doing and enjoying the work I hopefully that's a little infectious and they enjoy it too yeah. but um you know there's times too when they're just not feeling it they're not in a good place and then it's sometimes it's just a matter of listening, whether it's students or an adult, you know, sometimes because when you lose your vision or even if you're born blind, you go through a grief process yeah. and it and it doesn't necessarily happen just once. You know, as, as you know, I mean, we've both lost people life. we love, you know, and, it's and it's, yeah, it doesn't just go away. So, you yeah. know, like a, a child who was born blind, yes, it's what they're they've always known but how about when peers are doing things like driving they're getting their license you know and they can't that's something they can't do um you know that you can they, they can go through that whole kind of grief process again you know um and so in those, like those cases it's just a matter of listening and being present yeah. do you find you know as as we talked about earlier you being a cancer survivor do you find that you know, you've always had compassion, but now you have a totally different, you survived. And now you can take, as you said, it was a turning point for you to, to, for you to find this great career. Do you find that you now even have a, like a completely different understanding of your survivor? Here are people that can survive and it's a shitty hand, but you can still overcome. Life is still good. Life can. And do you feel that helps? Because that's you were positive during one of the hardest times I've known you through. Um, we've gone yeah. through a lot together, and it's uh, you know, like, do you feel that that's something that helps you resonate with them to go, hey, I get it. I was dealt a yeah. shitty hand too. Yeah, I do. I think that I think that helps. Not just being more compassionate, but also giving me, I don't know, like a greater sense of when it's like, you know, commiserate and kind of just listen and let them kind of you know, express those, you know, dark or negative feelings, but then also being able to say, you know, I've, I've had this experience and I know how important it is to be positive and yeah. to, you know, know that this is not the end, that there is, you yeah. know, so many things that you can do. Um, and I, I, I think that helps too. Yeah. Well, and also, <laughs> you know, you were, and, and being truthful, you going through it, I feel like I could have done such a better job being a friend, but you were, I got this, like, this is what I have to get through. This is me. And I'm sure you can be like, I understand, but this is how I'm here to help you and right. they need your help. So I'm sure that's also a, like a, you know, another 
another way you can advise them to be, you know, hey, I'm here. You might not want it, but I'm here to help you. you right. Know? That's so true. That's so true. So um, a, f a few more questions, like to me, I mean, this is, I could talk to you, you know, I could talk to you first of all forever, but on um, this topic, but you know, as people are starting out in their career, you know, I love the nonprofit as well and kind of deviated to the profit. I do think I'm going to boomerang back to nonprofit in my, I want to say later career part, part two of my next career. Um, but how would you tell someone, you know, Hey, when you're graduating from college, you're looking at what to do. Would you then go, you know what, I should have just stayed with nonprofit, I should have gone that way. How do you help someone know, hey, there's there's different paths to take, of course, what you do, but here's some things that, you know, profit versus nonprofit. You know, what are the tips you yeah. give someone starting out in their career? I mean, I, I think that, first of all, like, follow your interest. Mm -hmm. Follow what you're interested in. Um, and, you know, there are other considerations. I mean, one of the things that kind of got me, you know, at the beginning of my career was, okay, you know, maybe I, I want to make some money, you know, make yeah. some money. Yeah. And that's something. You and, and, and I feel also that I truly believe that we're all on a journey. You know, there's never, it, it's, it, and you have to, like, take those learning experiences. And so, any job that I've had, I don't consider it a mistake. Yeah. I feel like it was just a step on the journey and I learned from those experiences. So yeah. I don't think when you graduate from college, you don't have to know this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Because especially I, I admire the younger generation because they get it. They get it. They know they're not going to have one career for the rest of their life. They yeah. know that there are other options for them. Like I'm going to start here, but then I want to do this or maybe you know, they're doing the whole gig economy thing or whatever. You know what I mean? They're, and, yeah. and you and I have talked about this too. I think our kids are very much like they're going to live to work, not work to live. What you and I yeah. did for, sorry, many years, we were like, we were told 70, 80 hours a week. We were at work at six in the morning. Like we lived and breathed it. They look at me, my kids, and I know you, your children probably are like, no way am I doing that. Right. So that is part of, you know, the generation is going, People do want to give back, I think, more than when we went through school and graduated. Um, I do feel that giving back to society and making yourself feel good about what you do, you know, not working for the corporate mass and like, you know, following the leader is different. Right. I think it's different than they have more options than I think we did. They do. And I mean, it's not that you can be in profit and do do good. I mean, you do it, you know, your last guest that you had on, I thought she was, she was wonderful. And she had, you know, yeah. so we, there's ways of giving back in, in different ways in, in ways that fit for you. This yeah. just happens to be where I want to be at this point in my life. You know, this works yeah. for me now. Um, so yeah, I think giving, letting, letting them know that you have this whole life ahead of you and you can do many different things and you don't have to stress that I need to do this now. You know, I need to make sure I'm making X amount of money by the time I'm whatever age. You know, yeah, there are there are considerations. You, you need to pay your student loans or do, you know, whatever. You know, you can't get around those things. But um, you can also find other ways to fulfill your life, yeah. you know, even if your job's not doing it for you. Like, like yeah. maybe you're working at a job and it's a, it's okay, but you want more, you want to be doing more. You can find ways through your work or through, uh, 
you know, volunteering or whatever you want to do, you know. Yeah, and I think you brought up a great point of everything we've done in our careers has been a stepping stone. You, There's nothing you would have removed in your career that wouldn't have led you to where you are. Everything built upon you realizing, hey, this is the path. And I truly have never seen you so happy to give back and learn from these clients and help them with everyday life. Um, and I think that's just, you know, as we say, like super inspiring because it's, I think it's so courageous to change your career, not in your twenties, not in your thirties. Like you really did. It's a, it's scary. And you never said, Hey, this is going to suck. I'm going to have three years of hard work. You know, I've got kids. I like have right. a husband. I've, and you never did. You never balked because you knew that this is going to lead to where you are today. And I find right. that super inspiring because well, happy every day, you know? Yep. And I joke with the kids. I'm like, you know, it only took me till I was 50 to figure out what I really liked, you know, what I really wanted to do. And, you know, there's, there's, there's truth to that. Like I said, every other, I enjoyed writing. I enjoyed the jobs that I did, but, but this is a whole different, you know, level of like, you know, loving what I'm doing. Like there's never a time when I'm like, I don't want to go into work or whatever. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't want to do this. I, you know, I'm, I'm engaged yeah. by this all the time. Well, and some people, I think, you know, you said it, oh, at, you know, 50, you found your career. Some people never find it. Yeah. And to me, it's never too late that you have a long life ahead of you that you can still do this and help so many people. Um, and I'm sad for people that don't take the chance and courage to, to find that what makes you happy. You know, and I think I, you're a great example for your children to go, hey, make sure you do something. And, and you know, I'm trying, I have a, a rising senior trying to launch going, just find something that you're passionate about. You'll make a difference in that passion. Like, yeah. don't do something that you're like, oh, just because I'm told to do it. Um, and I'm learning from the kids that do something that makes you happy every day. Life's too right. short to not do, you know, to not be doing something you love. It's true. It's true. And, you know, it doesn't have to, like I said, you might um, do a job. Mm -hmm. It's a job, you know, you're, you're fine with it. It's, but, but you can find other ways to, to be fulfilled. So, yeah. and, and I think for younger people, like going out and experiencing different things and finding different things and following their interest, you know, because I mean, you know, a lot of times the thing is they don't feel passionate about mm -hmm. something yet. No. You know what I mean? Like I said, it took me till I was 50 to figure out what I was passionate, something that I was passionate about for work. I mean, there were other things, you know, in my life that I was passionate about, but it wasn't work related, you know? Yeah. And, and that I think is the other thing that, you know, you don't have to be passionate about something right away. It's, yeah. it's exposing yourself to different experiences, different kinds of careers, different, you know, opportunities, and you'll find your way to what is going to, be good for you. Like, and look you know. at what happened to you. You found someone in the career that you wanted who sparked an interest in you you didn't know you had because you never were surrounded by it. So, yep. you know, to me, and I'm sure you feel the same way, I wish every, like, the younger generation or those who are graduating go, hey, let me talk to someone who's in that profession and let me understand what these different careers are. Because I think talking to someone who does it, it changed your course of your life and yeah. think of how many people are now going to get help from you. That to me is one person changed your narrative 
And that's all it is that hopefully someone listens to this podcast and is like, oh, I didn't even know that was a career. That's something I would love to do. Um, And I think that that's, you know, exposing to all these different areas that, as you said, you know, maybe community service is great for you and volunteering and that's amazing. Or if you have money, donate, you know, whatever the cause is. But I also think giving your time and dedicating your career is just, you know, it's, it's incredible to me, Rhonda. And seeing you so happy, I mean, I said it, it's, you know, your face lights up when you talk about it. And I know I can only imagine the difference you're making. Um, so I'm going to ask you one final question. As I said, I could talk to you forever. Um, so what empowers you and what inspires you as a, as a woman and as a person? Well, I think what empowers me is learning. Like whether it's, it doesn't have to be in school, it doesn't have to be formal, but I feel like every day is a learning opportunity. Every person I meet and engage with is, you know, there's something I can learn from them. Um, So that really inspires me. And I I feel like, you know, and it empowers me. And I'm grateful to my parents for that too, because first of all, my dad was very, was like that too. He just, he loved learning about people and about things and you know, um, and he never graduated high school. My mother didn't graduate high school, you know, and they struggled um, and they sacrificed to make sure that I got a good education um, because they wanted to to realize that for me. So, you know, I really appreciate that, you know, what they did for me. And, um, you know, so that, that I think is always at the back of my mind. Like I want, I'm doing this for myself, but I always, I am also like, doing it for them because they, you know, did so much for me. Yeah, they were, I mean, you know, that's, and it makes such a difference to have the support um, and give you that, you know, that's your center. It really is. It always has been. So Um, anything else you want to, anything else you want to add? Anything else I I missed? (laughs) Well, I think, you know, you also asked about inspiration, like what inspires me. And, and to me, that's, you know, that's something that I love about your podcast, actually, because individual people, real, you know, people inspire me, like more so than, you know, some, you know, a celebrity or something, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love hearing these stories about how people have, you know, overcome, you know, obstacles or just, you know, they're shaping their life in the way they want it to be, or, you know, finding who they are as a person and, that is inspiring to me so I couldn't agree with you more and and someone said to me recently said why are you not like you should go after celebrities and like you run into people with you know your corporate job and I was like no I want to talk to women that inspire me that every day make a difference I'm not discrediting celebrities but to me you're inspiring and my previous guests and my future guests I'm selecting people that every day I go wow they're in my world and they're making a difference and yeah. you know you are the center and core of that my beautiful friend I'm so thankful for your time and really everyone's lucky um, to hear you talk about this I can't wait to see and uh, I'd love to hear as your career keeps evolving and you know more stories of how you help people just you know you inspire me every day Rhonda it's such an honor to talk to you and uh, thank you so much for your time um, and, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on and, and giving me the opportunity to talk about, you know, future insight and orientation and mobility, because it, like you said, like I said, it's not something that a lot of people know about. So, you know, that educating the public is is in, important, too. So, yeah. And hopefully we really can make a difference with healthcare. Mm-hmm. Adding this as is 
it is just as important as PT and OT, and it should, it just should be accessible to anyone who needs it, period. So, you know, if I can help with my voice anyway, as you know, my loud voice, I, I will be happy to do that. Um, it was a pleasure, Rhonda. Stay tuned for the next episode of Her Stories. And thanks again for being my guest. Have a great thanks, day, everyone. <laughs> you were.